stage, he gestured toward the great leading points of his arguments, which he had advanced ten thousand times before. He indicated the wide and hollow heart of the pass in which Comus stood, green with pasture lands, the mountains walking into the sky on all sides, with black pine forests climbing their sides to where the snow began on their bald heads. With hand trailing through the air, he traced the white courses of three streams which raced down from the peaks toward the valley. In conclusion, he drew a long breath of that delicious air concerning whose virtues he had expatiated so long. All this he uttered, so to speak, without a word, a silent poem, the while staring at this native of the mountains, this traitor to Comus, who had been born and bred in the town. It's pretty good, said Sprague humbly. But away up yonder on the side of Comus Peak. He turned his glance to where Comus Mountain lifted its head and its broad shoulders above all the surrounding summits. But Joe Aiken snorted and turned away to gather his wits for a blasting denunciation. Before he could speak, the far-off thunder of the approaching train rolled down from the head of the pass, Presently they could see it coming, streaking along as though frantic with speed to escape from the gloomy heights of the mountains around it. Its whistle blasted the air. It rushed large upon the eye, the lofty engine swaying with labor. Then, with screaming brakes, it drew to a shuddering halt that made the very ground on which the people of Comus stood tremble. One man climbed down the steps and swung onto the platform. The engine panted, the couplings clashed, and the long train began to groan away from the station, gaining speed so rapidly that the last car whipped past the townsfolk with a whirl of dust around the observation platform. Comus, uncertain, bewildered, stared at this fellow who had come to them in the place of the Ben Flinder they remembered. They saw a huge fellow with Atlantean shoulders who, as he removed his hat to readjust it on his head, gave them a glimpse of hair fluffed with gray at the temples. Henry Calvin, who was part owner of the big gold mine, had been selected as spokesman. He went up to the tall man and said, "'Friend, we've been expecting to see a man named Ben Flinder today. Might be that you brung us some news from him?' At this, the big fellow looked down from his survey of the mountains and the pass and glanced into the smiling face of Calvin. "'What might you be wanting with Ben Flinder?' he asked. "'I'm Ben Flinder.' The wind which had been humming down Comus Pass had fallen off to the faintest whisper the moment before, and therefore it was the strong bass voice of Ben Flinder that rolled to the people who were clustered around the station. The district attorney shouted an order. The trombones blasted all ears with a brazen note as the band struck up. Henry Calvin stretched his hand forth to this much-wronged man. Looking on him with pity and with awe, it was not hard to see in him the slow and cruel passage of the ten years he had served in prison. Ten years of brutal labor which hardened his body. Ten years of rebellion and hatred, which were imprinted clearly in his face. Indeed, the hand of correction had fallen heavily upon him. The governor's order, which freed him from the prison, delivered him also from the dark cell of the penitentiary. 
Though the townsfolk could not know such details, they could guess at this, and much more. And they saw him brush the proffered hand of Calvin away. I ain't come back to Comus to do no handshaking, he announced in a voice which some could hear even through the clangor of the brass band. Half a dozen of the leading men of the town who were approaching with attorney Charles Sumner at their head to express sympathy and welcome for the wanderer stopped short in confusion, uncertain as to what they should either do or say. Ben Flinder left them in no long period of doubt. If that there band was brought out for me, he declared, shut it up quick. There wasn't no band to see me off from Comus the last time I seen it, and I ain't come back for no turkey dinner trimmed up with music. I ain't had music for ten years, and I don't need none now.